we always like to have uber talented people on the show and today is uh you know just like what we like to keep up with what's going on justin cunningham how you feeling today man doing good man how you doing man i am more blessed than i deserve running around like a chicken with his head cut off what part of the world are you in today what are you working on today i'm in new york right now i'm just uh out here auditioning just living <laughs> just living you know, Justin, you know, one of the things that that, you know, my first question and the way we usually start on this show is people oftentimes have no idea how individuals such as yourself end up where they are today. Um, you know, you've had great roles when they see us, Blue Bloods. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Talk to me, though, about the arc of your career. How did you end up where you are today, where you are pretty much a household name and figure and did you always know acting would be uh your calling uh yeah well first i didn't know acting was my calling uh i grew up in uh central arkansas uh on a farm uh one of the very few um black farming families in that area uh we've been farming in that area for generations and uh, been working on that land for the last hundred years and uh for me coming from that area and, and that culture, uh, that was sort of what the uh, landscape looked like for me was to like kind of stay in that area, you know, the square mile town and, and farm and buy some land and have some kids and send them <laughs> in the public. So, you know, that whole route. But, but I knew that, uh, that there was something else that I, that I wanted to do, um, you know, working on the farm. Uh, we did a lot of, we did a lot of work. I don't think people really realize whenever I mentioned that I grew up on a farm they think oh that's like lovely like it's feels nice you have horses and cows like it wasn't like that it was uh it was a farming operation we <laughs> we worked we worked every single day and if you didn't work you didn't eat and we'd work for you know eight to twelve hours at a time you know when I was I was driving you know 18 wheelers and tractors when I was probably eight or nine years old and, you know, bailing hay and cutting hay and, and selling hay, making business deals at like 13, 14 years old, selling hay at 10, 12 dollars a bale and sell, you sell 2000 bales, you know, you, you know, but um, it was, it was a lot of work. And so I had to have some type of outlet uh, for myself. And a lot of the times I'd have to go into my head to have an outlet. There wasn't, there wasn't any, any sort of arts in that area. Um, there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, resources to have arts in the area. So I'd have to go into my head and I create stories in my head and I create uh, whole cinemas in my head. And then uh, that turned into something, having to like kind of make people laugh, make people uh, feel good about the situation that we were in, which was just a ton of work. And it just, a, yeah, it was just, just a ton of work. And, and, and um, I eventually went to the University of Arkansas okay. and I was a business major for two years uh, studying there because I was listening to everybody tell me what I needed to do. Uh, to have a business degree and have something to fall back on is what people usually said. <laughs> and I, and I, and I just knew that that wasn't what wasn't for me. And so I took one acting class and uh, I found my people, found a lot of really amazing friends that were in the same situation that I was and uh, really took off from there and then finished my degree after six years, because I was two years business major. Then I switched to the four-year program for the BA in the, in drama and I was working for two years. I was producing comedy improv. I was working for a couple of theaters. I was working as a carpenter at a theater. Um, uh, yeah, producing improv, playing music. And the professor mentioned that Juilliard was having a master's or starting a master's program and that I should apply. And I had a little bit of money at that time. And so I spent all the money I had 
and I flew out to New York, the only school I ever applied for, the only school I had money for, and I messed around and got in. So now I'm here. I mean, all right. So you you are a I'm from Denmark, South Carolina, where we got three stoplights and a blinking light. We rotate mm-hmm. soy, cotton, corn behind my house. You know, so I, I understand a little bit of the country, but you are a real life country boy. Do you does that does that come through in some of the roles in your art? I mean, do you are you able to bring some of those influences from that rugged central Arkansas upbringing? Absolutely. Like it. I, I, th- I think mostly that's what makes me sort of uh, specific and unique just to myself is that there's always a little bit of that twang. Whenever I do talk about Arkansas, the, my slight accent starts to come back, but there always is there always is that sort of value of the hard work. I, th- I think I've only gotten to where I've gotten um, today, you know, in retrospect, because of, you know, the type of work that I did do and that, you know, how hard my, my father was and, and, you know, how, how steadfast my mother was, you know, they, they had their problems, but, but they, I do remember one thing my mother said to my father, or she told me that she said to my father is that she didn't want any lazy kids. Because I had two older two older brothers and said she didn't want no lazy kids, she didn't want no bums. And so my my, my father made sure that. And me and my older brothers. That sounds like that don't necessarily sound like it going to the bathroom, does it? <laughs> don't be no bum today. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, my my grandmother, like my father's uh, mother, she would say something else. I can't say what she was she used to say, but uh, but uh, but there was always a, a sort of a. Um, a mantra, I guess, in, in, in people of color from that area, because it was a black community in that, in that specific area. But, you know, they always taught you to be something. But in order to be something, you got to you got to do something and you got to work on something. Like one mm-hmm. of the things my grandmother always used to say, she would always ask me what time it was. And I would say, I don't know, Grandma, I don't know what time it is. But she'd say, boy, you don't know. You know, but but she was always trying to say, like, you got you got to know, you know, what you're putting into this world. You got you got to know what you're what you're doing. And so. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've I took that, you know, that sort of mindset, that sort of work ethic and applied it to I apply it to everything I do now. And uh, so, yeah, it, it definitely resonates uh, with me in all of my work. And I, and I think uh, funny enough, whenever I do Shakespeare, whenever I approach a line that I don't understand, I usually have to do it in a country accent and then it makes sense. And then I go back. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm, I'm playing that imagery and that sound in my in my head but let me ask you this like it seems as if like you you have a sense of responsibility um to the culture to your upbringing and mm-hmm. that that brings me to are there are there any roles that you know Justin Cunningham has passed on or that just aren't for you or you know you want to represent what a black man should be um, do, do you carry that onus with you into your heart or that responsibility with you? Uh, I definitely do. Uh, I haven't been privileged enough to be able to kind of pick and choose my roles. Uh, I've, it's kind of just been, you know, do or die out here. You got to go for it. But uh, I have been lucky enough to be in, be in projects that really did uplift and sort of uh, accent um, uh, the Black culture and, and my Black experience. Uh, which is something that's really great about Grand Crew uh, is that it's a show, not necessarily about you know the black, you know the black experience of black perspective. It's it's a, it's a universal show that that shows people of color as human beings, and that was the first time for me in that show being able to just be myself and like because I usually have to put myself or build a character through the lens of a of a black perspective, 
whether I'm doing Shakespeare or whether I'm doing a, a historical piece like when they like when they see us or a musical about the Little Rock, the Little Rock Nine or, or, or whatever it may be, I, I've always had to kind of use my blackness as a tool in a, in a certain way. And I think with this show, Grand Crew, uh, yeah, it, the, my blackness is there and, and it's, that's, that's what it's about, but also I, I'm more than that. And I think that show gives us that, it accents that, and it complements that, complements us in, in, that, uh, in, that, in that range. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'm definitely going to get to Grand Crew. I got one more question before we do, though, because, uh, by the mm. way, I just did a, a, a panel discussion with Ernie Green from the Little Rock Nine, who's one of the oh, most, yeah. do- the dopest individuals yeah. and then we're coming up on 65 years so uh wow. that which all feeds into my next question you've done the stage um and now you're on television and movies do you have a preference of stage over television and movies and explain to people i've spoken to some actors who've done both and they they love the stage because of the instant gratification that comes with it they love the sitcoms and movies and television because of the check that comes with it. And it's a little different, but, but talk about, talk about those difference and which, which one is your favorite? Well, uh, materially, yeah, definitely film and television because it just pays more. You're able to, to see the results of your work by able, you know, having a more steady, stable lifestyle. I'm able to actually afford my rent or pay my bills <laughs> and buy food. That's, that's what comes with it. But yeah, I mean, of course, most actors uh, are going to say that they that they love stage more, and I feel like I do like stage more um, because there's more of a process in the rehearsal process of of building a show, building a character, and you get to go out onto the stage and experiment each each and every time, and, and it's and it's really kind of stream of consciousness. Even though you have memorized lines, it's really stream of consciousness and whatever you're feeling in the moment, which makes it new uh, every night, and. Um, and for me, that's that's a that's an experience that you can't experience again. Like that, that's one of the most beautiful things about one doing improv and doing a show is that it's only going to happen one time. That show is only going to happen that way one time, and it's never going to be seen again. And that's something special about that. Um, but with you know film and television, it's uh, very minimal rehearsal, um, a lot of pressure, um, and you have to get up in front of the camera and you got to go. You got to perform and. 
and you can you can get into the groove of of how to do that. You can you can learn how to how to fix your mind to that, which is which is really cool. Which I was sort of learning because I have very minimal experience doing film and television, but um, but that also is very exciting to me and also really fun that I've been learning uh, how to do that because uh, there's also an um, improvisational aspect of getting in front of film and, and uh, a film camera. And uh, yeah, yeah. Talk to me about Grand Crew. So what's it about and who is Wyatt? Grand Crew is a brand new comedy uh, with NBC. It's a show about a group of friends who live in Los Angeles who meet regularly at a wine bar to wind down and break down the uh, social nuances of, or the cultural nuances of their uh, work life, their love life, and their friendships with each other. And I play the character Wyatt, who happens to be the only married one of the group. And he leads with a sense of curiosity and, and wonder, and he, and he continually offers that sort of wisdom to his friends whenever they find themselves in awkward and really unique situations. Whether uh, it's warranted or not, he's, he's going to be that person that's always going to be there and support them. It sounds like a funny ass cheers. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what was it about the character Wyatt that jumped out at you and made you want to take this role? I mean, or you just yeah. didn't have nothing else to do. So you were like, I'd be Wyatt today. <laughs> well, actually, like um, I had just left. Um, I had just fired an agent like that Friday uh, before I got this audition because um, I was really I was really not satisfied with their with their work. And so I had, I had let them go and I had hired a new agent um, that same Friday. And uh, that was the first audition I got. And so there was. So wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, 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 let's back up to this because people out here, they want to be aspiring actors. So yeah. you you fired your agent at breakfast, hired a new agent by lunch and that new agent already had you an audition. Yep. Yeah, I mean, because, well, one, at my at my school, at, at Juilliard, we had a showcase. You have a showcase at the end of your fourth year, and, like, a lot of the agency managers come out come out and see and see your work. And it had only been maybe a couple of years since that happened. And so I was still on, like, on a lot of people's minds and things. And I had been working with this agency for a while, but there was just some things I didn't I didn't like uh, about it. And, and I had taken a couple of meetings just to kind of see, just kind of play the field a little bit and uh, and see where where what my options were and um, made a decision one night it was a really strong decision I was going through a little turbulent time of wanting to kind of decide what my direction was and I was like okay you know what you know F it I'm just going to go for it uh, let them go hired somebody else the first audition I got was Grand Crew and I so off of that energy of just like I don't know what's going to happen but I'm ready to take this um, when I got the script I had also been hearing kind of grumblings in the theater community about this script kind of going around like, oh, there's a new black comedy. And it's like really, really funny. And like the script is like really cool and the characters are human. And so I'm reading it and I'm going through it and uh, I'm reading it with, actually with my, my roommate at the time, who was Brandon Hall, who had his own show, uh, God Friended Me. And uh, he would get in, he got in really late and he was really tired, but I, was, I made him read it with me. And, um, and we're sitting there reading this the script and like we're having a great time with it. And it was the first time that I felt like even though this character is black and that, yeah, I had to look through it with this black lens, but I was actually able to be myself. I was actually able to be human for, for, for a second, even though 
I'm not saying that, you know, being black is not being human. I'm saying that we are human. I, and, yeah, I, I, and, I and a lot of the times, and a lot of the times when, when I'm going out for stuff, I don't get to, to display sides of myself that are deemed, um, you know, not of the culture. You know, I can't be nerdy. Uh, I can't be, you know, kind of goofy and have a lot of, you know, weird random facts that I just no normally know. But that's what this character was. This character was someone who I could get, I got close to because there was a human aspect to it. And it wasn't focusing on uh, building up the narratives that we're so used to in, in, in cinema. We've seen a few black shows emerge around friendships of late. You got Grand Crew. You got Harlem, Run the World. And I appreciate that we're seeing a renaissance uh, mm -hmm. in shows about Black people just living their lives. Why do you think we're seeing the renaissance we're seeing in Black content? And how does it feel to be a part of this movement? Uh, I feel like um, I feel I feel like it's 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 a step in, in the right direction. I mean, we still have a lot of work to do. We still got a lot of, you know, a lot of steps to take. We got to, you know, blindly and clumsily stumble forward. But. I feel like it's it's going in the right direction. I I'm, I'm enjoying seeing the new work that's coming out that people are able to uh, express. We're able to express the culture in many different ways that uh, takes it off the monolith of uh, of the Amen. black experience. And um, and for me, you know, I don't really consider myself a part of it, but I guess I am. But it's it's great to be to be kind of in that. Uh, it it is challenging. It is a lot of pressure. Because not only are you fighting the stereotypes of, you know, white culture, but you're also fighting stereotypes of black culture of the expectation that, you know, an all black cast has to have this specific type of message and that it has to be a certain way in order to be accessible. And then for a white culture, like it has to be a certain way to be accessible and then to be able to ride that that middle lane um, and have it be accessible to everybody because it is universal. You know that's a lot of pressure, but it's also exciting, and I think that uh, the writers are, are are taking some really daring steps. Sign up to the Economist for in-depth, curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to the Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. On that, you know, one of the topics that you all cover in Grand Crew is going to therapy. And it's, you know, it's something we talk about on this show a lot. Shout out to Dr. Mm -hmm. Garcia, my therapist. 
and uh, something that I don't think I can ever recall in a black sitcom. Why was it important for you all to introduce this to your audience? And let me just say, other than shattering the monolith that you just mentioned, thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you. Um, I think that it was really important to uh, the writers and the producers to uh, to 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 start doing uh, stories that feature black people, people of color, that um, sort of uh, take on those sort of um, those taboo subjects like therapy. Because yeah, I mean, problem from where I'm from, Arkansas, Central Arkansas, don't nobody go to therapy, and everybody, everybody needs therapy. Everybody there needs therapy, and um, so it it was it's a challenging thing to try to uh, uh, tackle it in a in a fun like uplifting way, but also I feel like we were able to address it in a way that was honest that that made it okay for us to talk about it, and it was very important for the writers and uh, to to try to touch on these different types of things of you know self care and, and therapy and um, finding what your happiness is even if you are in a relationship hmm. you know finding finding what makes you happy because you have to be happy separate in order to be happy together so well, that's just that's my opinion but shit i'm but, over uh, here taking yeah. notes i'm about to go tell my wife i interviewed somebody <laughs> that said you're not happy and you're not happy individually that's what no how can people how can people watch grand crew tell me where, where people can find it uh you can watch it on nbc or you can watch it free on streaming on hulu and peacock Look at you. you Tuesdays. You, you, you've done this before. Look at that. One <laughs> couple questions before I let you go. I know you are a busy man. Talk to me about the projects you have on the horizon, particularly Hyde. What can you say about that project and when will we be able to see it? What can you say, if anything? Oh, uh, well, Hyde is a really cool uh, project, a really cool, like sort of um, uh, low budget sort of film that I was able to be a part of. Uh, ben Samuels was the writer and uh, he also stars in it. He's a really great, great writer. I did a reading for him a couple of years ago and he called me up and asked me if I wanted to be a part of this film. So we, I drove out to, or we drove us out to Philadelphia and we shot the, we shot a few scenes out there, but it's a story about um, uh, a couple uh, living under COVID and, and what it's like to be in COVID inside of an abusive relationship. And it's sort of a, kind of a thriller of how this woman uh, sort of uh, breaks out of uh, uh, not only her mental uh, lockdown, but the lockdown, inside of uh, this home and this this relationship so yeah i mean you is it what is it is it coming on like bet or something uh i'm not i'm not sure yet he, he <laughs> hasn't given me specifics but it's it's coming out soon i would, I would say right, that all right all right well how can people follow you man and keep up with all the work you're doing what are your what is your twitter your social your snapchat all those things oh, oh i don't i don't really do all the social media so i only have like instagram but you can catch me you can find me on instagram at uh, justin lamar cunningham just my full name. <laughs> Just, no, he put his head, put everything up. My birth date is no. I want to say thank you, my brother. Being a Southerner, I appreciate your work. You are a damn good actor, and you represent the culture. Uh, Grand Crew, amazing. Shout out to all the actors, and producers, writers, directors, etc. My brother, thank you for joining the Bukhari Sellers podcast. Thank you.